Welcome to What the Church, a podcast of First Presbyterian Church of Orlando. I'm Cameron Hughes, and this is our third episode of the Ordinary series. We've been talking about where we see God in our ordinary, everyday life. Today, I am joined by Alexa Rossi, as always. Hi, everyone. And today, we are also super excited to have Betsy Hershey with us. Hey, everyone. Betsy is a registered dietitian nutritionist, which I've worked on that phrase a lot this week. Uh, And she's with us today to talk about the spiritual significance of how we care for our physical bodies. So that's a pretty broad phrase. Uh, But Betsy, can you tell us a little bit about your connection with First Presbyterian and uh, what does it mean to be an RDN? What does day-to-day life look like for you? Yeah, so I've been coming to First Pres since I was in sixth grade. I was in the youth group here and um, hung around during throughout high school, youth group, um, moved away. And then when my husband and I moved back to Orlando, we settled at First Pres again as our um, our place to call home um, with our family. And you interned in student ministry yeah. back in the day. Yes. Because I was in the youth group. When Alexa was a middle schooler. Wow. Cute, cute <laughs> middle schooler. We bonded over volleyball. We did. Yes. yes. Crazy. We did. And I was helping with the middle school that, that summer for yeah. one summer. It was just one. Yeah. Yeah. That's so fun. So we settled at First Prez and um, so that doesn't really connect with my nutrition background, but, you know, being away was my schooling. Mm-hmm. And so my background as a dietitian registered dietitian nutritionist. They just like to incorporate all the names that you can come up with. It's quite a mouthful. But it is um, a nutritionist with the most background um, and schooling. And so I did my school, did my undergrad um, at a school called Lipscomb University in Nashville, and then got married after that. And so Sage and I both moved to Charlottesville, Virginia, where I did my... um, my un, my postgraduate work there as a dietitian to become a registered dietitian nutritionist. Wow. Yeah. How long did you have to do postgrad work? To um, it was a year. It was about 10 months okay. total. Wow. Yeah. Long process. It was. And it was, it was interesting being um, a newly married couple in that, mm-hmm. in that time too. Mm-hmm. Sage worked hard and let me do my school. And then um, I got my first job in Atlanta after that as a dietitian. Cool. Yeah. And awesome. he, and then I was sugar mama and, <laughs> and put him through school. So. Betsy, you're a nutritionist. Yes. But there's one really important question I have for you, and that's what's the best Girl Scout cookie? Oh, <laughs> that is so tough. And I'm blanking on the name, but I'm a peanut butter girl mm-hmm. through and mm-hmm. through. Yes. And so peanut the tag along. Is that, is that the one covered in chocolate? The covered. Peanut- uh, so it's cracker. Mm-hmm. Okay. Peanut butter. Yep. Covered in chocolate. Yes. Because like they the also cracker make like, taste. Like the peanut butter ones that are just like cookie sandwiches and then filled with peanut butter. No. By far the you better peanut butter ones are the, the chocolate top. covered ones. Yeah. I think it is tag along. Tag along. Peanut butter patty. It's actually different. <laughs> no. I don't. <laughs> I, I didn't realize this until like two years ago when I worked with Tammy Vice, who always sold Girl yeah. Scout cookies oh, with I've Jennifer some from Jennifer. Yeah, um, and they call them different things regionally. Mm-hmm. So they also renamed a bunch of them in the last couple of years. Yeah, so there's two names for the cookie we're both talking. That's about. confusing. Cause... We were in Winter Garden Sunday afternoon after church, and I was walking down the sidewalk and realized the guy in front of me was pulling a wagon full of Girl Scout cookies, and I just pulled the sir, sir. <laughs> 
sir, are you selling those? And Taylor and I walked up and started to make our selections and realized they were all called different names other than Thin Mints. Thin Mints are still called Thin Mints. Yeah. And those are really good frozen. Oh, yeah. Really good. That's how I survived the Packer game this week was Mm. stress eating two rows of Thin Mint cookies. Two rows. So he was selling them. He was. And bought some. Oh, yeah. Okay. And when we got to the part where we're trying to decide which two boxes we wanted, we ended up with three. I don't know how it happened, but... They what? take credit card now, and that gets really scary. <laughs> I don't seems- have any cash. No, that's not a problem. Yeah. So what does an RDN do on a day-to-day basis? What does that job look like? What are some of the things? What are your favorite parts of the job? Yeah. Um, so I started out clinically in the hospital in Atlanta and then moved to the outpatient setting, more private practice. And so what my background has kind of been in the private practice has been eating disorders. How clients that I see a lot are... Um, picky eaters, Hmm. I would say. And so a lot of that is they're young, but I work with the parents Hmm. and so much is education of, um, intuitive eating. Hmm. And this goes across the board. I I talk intuitive eating a lot with clients. Um, but with those picky eater parents, really educating them how we were designed as human beings, we were designed to be intuitive eaters. God created us to know when we're hungry, to recognize hunger and to eat and then recognize fullness and be that, um, those created beings to eat when we're hungry and stop when we're full. And so that intuitive eating and how toddlers, infants and toddlers are just born with an innate ability to regulate food intake according to what your body needs. Um, and then we mess it up with our our thought that you got to finish that bottle. They mm. they need they need all these ounces, twenty eight ounces before the end of the day, mm. or else they're not going to grow. But research shows how kids just figure it out on their own if we just step back mm. and not. Um, they don't eat by dieting rules. They mm. don't eat um, based on health. Even they really just listen to their bodies mm. and what and so. I definitely see that in how food interacts with my son, my 20-month-old son. Um, there's days where there's very little desire for food. And then most days as a growing boy, it's mm-hmm. constant. It's every 45 minutes he's asking for something else. But to not put the pressure on him to have to try everything or have to eat everything all the time, right. um, I think we hear a lot of the cliches and adages about you have to eat your food because or uh, in order to get the next food, you have to eat this food. And uh, it puts a lot of pressure on us, psychological pressure that isn't physiological. too. Exactly. And so we alter that by sending mixed messages to Mm -hmm. our kids. Of um, And so, so much work is with parents of, um, Mm -hmm. yeah, taking that pressure off Mm -hmm. of food and um, letting them just eat when they want and stopping when they're full. And, um, so taking that pressure, making, Mm -hmm. making mealtimes calm Mm -hmm. and enjoyable Mm -hmm. and not focused on the food as Mm -hmm. much. Mm -hmm. And so that's, um, cool. Mm -hmm. Kind of making peace with food (laughs) is what I say a lot. It seems like you can even think about maybe this generation that we're in now how the pendulum has swung uh, coming out of just, you know, the wars. And like, I remember growing up and I had a grandparent who would not let us like leave the table until our plates were completely 
empty. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I struggled with that. Yeah. Like gr- as a child, I remember feeling so full and feeling like I have to finish. And now it feels like the opposite where we have, we do have all of these resources and we generally, you know, as a country aren't food insecure. Um, and the the opposite can be true where it's like, oh, because we have all these options, mm-hmm. eat your food. And yeah. I don't think the emphasis is the same in the, mm-hmm. from parents that like, oh, no, you have to eat your food because the the scarcity mentality is right. much stronger. Right? right. Like, but there's still a similar outcome, I think, where it's like, oh, we can't waste this. So um, mm-hmm. I think that both of those draw parallels that continue to point us to our dependence on God and and how we don't have to be tight fisted about um, the food that we have Mm -hmm. because he provides for us. And Mm -hmm. there's certainly balance there because there are people in the world that are incredibly food insecure, Mm -hmm. but um, we have to remember that God provides for us what we need. And um, that doesn't mean that we have to live out of this fear that he won't provide for us, but we also don't have to overindulge because, Mm -hmm. because, each morning his mercies are new. Yeah. So. So in day-to-day life, where do you see God in your ordinary, whether that's as a nutritionist or as a mom, as a wife, what, what does ordinary look like for you and where do you sense God the most? Oh my goodness. Um, my daily life, we have three boys at home that I. That's a lot of them. That's a lot of children. (laughs) We're outnumbered. (laughs) We cannot do. We are in zone defense. Oh, man. Yeah. No yeah, more man to man. And they're all boys. I'm outnumbered. <laughs> I have a girl dog named Millie, and she's not that girly, though. So oh, she's just um, my buddy. I but yeah, so I'm outnumbered, but it's super fun. Hmm. And they all have different personalities. Hmm. Um, but the one uh, main place I feel like I find God or I hear from God or see him in my day would be our car rides, Mm. whether it's me with a car full of boys Mm -hmm. (laughs) and the craziness that that is and their conversation. The cool thing about that is they're strapped in Mm. and (laughs) they can't leave. Captive audience. They're captive audience. (laughs) So I can play um, whatever I want. And we, we do, we mm. listen to the Z, we, um, I'll play some new city catechisms and we kind of go oh, through cool. those. And I feel like I've really prayed over that time, um, to have this captive audience mm. and realizing it's fleeting. Mm. They are going to grow up and not, this is my time to kind of invest in them. And so I feel like the car rides have been so cool at that of, it's, you know, starting conversation, seeing a beautiful sky and saying, wow, how cool is God with that creation and, and really trying to, to point them to Jesus in that. The, the other part of that is um, the chaos that the, the car rides can bring. And a lot of times it's we're late to things and we're, you know, rushing. And so I feel like my emotions get high in those times. And I've really... Um, feel like the Lord's been working in that of um, letting that be. I mean, he shows up in our weakness. And so I've had to kind of come back of, I got angry with you guys this morning for not having your shoes on in time and we run out the door, but really trying to um, make those times peaceful. Um, and the, I mean, the other side of that too, when it's a quiet car, I've really tried to, the new cell phone rule <laughs> is really helpful in that, you know, not that hopefully we weren't looking at it before, but just really think that in time intentional. Yeah. So then as a professional, is there a place that you really see God uh, in your ordinary day-to-day life, um, maybe with a client or um, in a specific example? 
So in working with clients, I've, I see a lot of um, people that struggle separating emotions from food mm. um, and maybe have what's called disordered eating mm. and not necessarily eating disorders. And mm. that I feel like is prevalent in pretty much a lot mm. of people um, when you kind of change those words like that. Um, so that disordered eating is maybe you're um, not ha- not giving your body what it needs necessarily, mm. or maybe you're focusing, um, struggling with your weight or uh, eating too much and emotional eating kind mm. of thing. Um, and so specifically, I've had just some cool examples of clients when we've worked through that. Mm-hmm. Um, and the main thing that we get to work on first that I get to first is the consistency. Mm. Um, we really, I really work with clients to how can we make your daily intake as consistent mm. as possible? Mm-hmm. Our bodies need food every three to four hours. Mm. Um, that shocks people a lot of times of like, okay, I've got to, I can't just not eat till mm. lunch or um, I, I can't skip lunch and then just be starving at dinner. Mm-hmm. You know, you find those. So that consistent piece mm-hmm. is huge. The the first piece of work, um, because if you're giving your body what it needs, mm-hmm. um, it will thank you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it will feel, you know, it, then your brain is functioning mm-hmm. how it needs to be to be able to think and have those psychological um, thoughts and, mm-hmm. and um, changes. And um, so taking that piece out of it. So food mm-hmm. is consistent. How can we do that? Um, then I love being able to work people through that of, okay, food is consistent. Okay. Where, where are you struggling with that in your life now? Are you wanting to skip breakfast? Are you overeating Mm -hmm. at dinner? And so maybe you're not eating enough at lunch. Mm -hmm. I love looking at those individual pieces of, um, on their food logs (laughs) that they bring (laughs) to me. (laughs) completed, not made up. No. <laughs> um, and okay, maybe you skimped on, on lunch or you need a little more fat here in your lunch to hold you through or protein in your lunch to hold you through to dinner. So I love that piece mm. of focusing on the food with people, but then it, it, it covers the, the emotional piece too. Mm. It, it, it allows your, your body to, to live how it's supposed to live mm-hmm. and, and function how it's supposed to function. And so getting to that place I've gotten to with so many clients of mm-hmm. um, separating that food piece and the emotional piece. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Being created as a physical, emotional, spiritual being yes. that, um, has to connect all those pieces. It does, but in healthy boundaries or mm-hmm. in a healthy way. I talk a lot about people's relationship with food. Mm-hmm. And that kind of takes people back sometimes mm-hmm. of like, I have a relationship with my food too. And so or like having, creating that healthy relationship with food. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I love that we serve a God who understands what ordinary life on earth looks like. One, he created ordinary life. Two, he's redeeming the brokenness of ordinary life. And three, he he lived in it. He came and he lived 33 years on earth and understands what it's like to wake up in the morning and feel sore or to yeah. um, go through excruciating physical pain on our behalf. So, Or be hungry. Yeah, yeah. Or to be hungry. 40 days of not eating right. will get you pretty hungry. Yeah. Um, since we live in a world that's broken and uh, inherently ordinariness is messy. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, there's just something about ordinary that because of the broken world we live in, we've got to figure out all kinds of different pieces of how to live into this redemptive picture. So um, let's see, when we talk about uh, the, the restored world or the restored nature of where we're headed with our body and mm-hmm. new heaven and new earth, when God comes back and he, he fixes all the brokenness um, and makes things the way that he created it for all of eternity, what gets you excited as a nutritionist to mm-hmm. hear that? Or um, even what, what do you think a redeemed and restored body looks like? Wow. Um, the first word that comes to mind um, with just that complete redemption um, and restored body is the hope. Mm-hmm. I feel like it can give people hope um, in, that, in all aspects of, of our lives mm-hmm. here and the brokenness and the sin we see. Um, there's hope in that our bodies will one day be restored. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think about that with uh, people that have chronic illnesses mm. and and there's it is brokenness mm. in this world it's not easy mm-hmm. and um food and emotions can be a huge struggle for a lot of people mm. um and so i think there's so much hope in what will one day be mm. um a, a perfect mm. um yeah. Example of what our bodies should that's such a that's be such and a, our emotions should be yeah. and and it's and it's simple right now it's right. not simple right yeah that's such a good word and I think maybe we've never been taught or maybe we're quick to forget but the reality is that there's a human sitting at the right hand of God the Father hmm. in eternity hmm. and he is fully human Jesus Christ hmm. is fully human fully divine and right now he sits on the throne of God at the right hand of the father. And that matters because he is the example of how, yeah, we've all been dealt different genes and different struggles and different dispositions and our bodies are broken and he knows the brokenness and suffering of a human body. He is the suffering servant who endured anything that any of us would walk through. And yet he has been, you know, he's ascended and sits at the at the right hand of the Father, completely perfect. Mm-hmm. And there's hope that somebody has walked through that, mm-hmm. and and that same destiny and eternity waits for those of us who are awaits those of us who are in Christ. Mm-hmm. Betsy, if people are interested in exploring the idea of nutrition a little bit more, what would you recommend as a good place to start? Um, I love the um when I was talking about picky eating and children, if that really resonated with you or you're just struggling mm-hmm. um, with a picky eater, uh, a book called Child of Mine mm-hmm. by Ellen Satter is really good. And that's where I got the um, division of responsibility is mm-hmm. in there and like what you're responsible for as mm-hmm. a parent and then what your child's responsible for. So that gives just peace. It takes yourself out of the equation and and um, and just allows to incorporate um, healthy um, principles with your with your kids and instilling healthy habits with your kids. Awesome. Cool. Well, thanks, Betsy, for joining us today. Um, You're welcome. This is really some great content. I love um, being able to talk about uh, a little bit about the, the, the harder aspects of what we deal with in our ordinary. And I think this will really connect well with a lot of people who are listening. So thanks for that. Yeah, um, thank you. We're You're excited so to welcome. 
excited to continue on with the series over the next couple of weeks. So uh, if you're enjoying what you're hearing, go ahead and like, subscribe, listen to What the Church as often as you can. Um, When new episodes come out, if you subscribe, it'll let you know. So we have a lot coming up still in the series. Be glad to have you involved. We're also um, talking about spiritual practice through the Ordinary Series in the Pastors class on Sunday at 10.05 in Lee Fellowship Hall. So if you're interested in how uh, these ordinary moments apply to your day-to-day life, come on in, learn some of those spiritual practices, and uh, we'd be glad to have you there. So thank you again for listening, and go out and live truth.